To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Thank you for calling the ACB radio and information line brought to you by Xeno Media. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, good evening, everyone. This is Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. And (laughs) one was automatically going to say, and this is another episode of the Advocacy Update podcast, but not quite. We're here on a Monday evening community event, and hello to everyone who's in the Zoom room, as well as the folks out there in ACB Radioland. And tonight, we are discussing one of our legislative imperatives. So as most folks are aware, February 21st through February 23rd are the virtual 2021 ACB DC Leadership meetings. And as part of the leadership meetings, we have the ACB Legislative Seminar, followed by affiliates and members meeting with their elected officials and staff on Capitol Hill. The purpose of these meetings with our elected officials are to advocate on issues pertaining to blindness and vision loss, uh, public policies that impact ACB members in the broader community. So how do we do this? Well, part of this will be the legislative imperatives for the ACB national organization. In addition to the legislative imperatives, many affiliates will have uh, issues that impact them in their state or their district or jurisdiction locally that they will be sharing. For folks who want to learn more about the D.C. leadership meetings, as well as the legislative seminar, visit the ACB website, acb.org, and think under quick links as well as news. You can find a link to the D.C. leadership meetings, and there are links to register. You can also call the ACB 1-800 number to register. In addition, there's information for the agendas for the president's meeting, as well as the two-day legislative seminar. All right. Let's see here. How many folks do we have here tonight? We have... I'm seeing 43. That's a good crowd for attendees. And that's not even counting our folks on ACB radio. So again, legislative imperatives. Uh, These are issues that ACB has identified as key policy initiatives that impact our organization, our members, and strike at the core of the ACB mission, striving to increase independence, security, economic opportunity, and quality of life for people who are blind and experiencing vision loss. The first imperative that we're going to discuss this evening has to deal with a bill that ACB and a broader blindness community have been championing, championing, ah, geez, you figure after uh, Champa Bay in the the Super Bowl, I'd be able to get that word out. Um, 
this uh this bill has been around since 2013 and it is the medicare uh, demonstration of coverage for low vision devices act and long story short this bill would provide or create a five-year demonstration pilot program through the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to cover low vision devices similar to durable medical equipment, meaning eligible individuals would be able to go to their physician. Their physician could conduct an eye exam and say, yep, this person is has you know, severe vision loss, they're legally blind, whatever the CMS sets the criteria as, um, they, their life would be enhanced. They would have a better quality of life. They would be more independent if centers for, or CMS, centers for Medicare and Medicaid services uh, were to cover a low vision device. So I'm going to write this prescription. The individual is going to take this to Medicare and they are going to fulfill the prescription for a low vision device. Why is this necessary? Well, back in November of 2008, there was a rulemaking at CMS, and there's an issue, a term called the, the eyeglass exemption. And CMS interpreted the eyeglass exemption very broadly um, to not just be uh, you know, standard refractive corrected error from a single lens for glasses and contacts, but to include all devices with a lens, whether it's video magnification, um, CCTVs, handheld magnifiers, video magnifiers, uh, you name it, it's not covered. And mind you, back in 2008, I think Tom Brady only had four Super Bowl wins. So that just tells you how long ago this was. There was a demonstration project done by CMS following this rule, uh, and that focused on whether, uh, whether folks had information about low vision devices would be useful. And it turns out the, the conclusion of that report was a bit inconclusive. Uh, one of the reasons it was inconclusive was, okay, you provide this information for folks about low vision devices, but no real means for them to acquire these devices. Uh, so that's where this bill comes in off, that, off the back of that report, providing the demonstration program, actually getting low vision devices into people's hands so that CMS can study the results and report back to Congress on whether the lives of individuals are actually enhanced by having access to this technology. Um, I know that seems like a, a very small ask, and in a way it is. We're looking for $12.5 million for this pilot program over five years, uh, a drop in the bucket, especially now in COVID times, when all numbers start with billion uh, after, their, after their digits, and some even more than that into the trillions, but $12.5 million. And certainly during a pandemic, where folks are isolated and distant from caregivers, friends, family members, it's more important than ever that our members and the broader community have the tools and resources they need to live independently. So ACB, in conjunction with 
Representatives Carolyn Maloney, a Democrat from New York, and Representative Gus Bilirakis, a Republican from Florida, who is also one of the co-chairs of the Congressional Vision Caucus, have worked together to introduce this bill. And here, initially, that was in the 113th Congress in 2013. Here we are eight years later in the 117th Congress. Uh, We are still working with those offices. We're planning for bipartisan reintroduction of this legislation. We want to encourage all members of Congress to co-sponsor this bill, and we'll be working with Representatives Maloney and Bilirakis to include this critical provision in especially any COVID-related, any healthcare-related vehicle that we can, uh, because it, you know, it, it really impacts quality of life, especially now when vaccines are being rolled out, when folks are still, uh, in, so, in so many cases, scared to venture outside because you don't know how seriously others are, are taking contamination and um, you know, spreading the virus, and now there are mutations of the virus. So there's still a lot of doubt and uncertainty out there. Uh, but one thing is for certain, if we can get this legislation passed and across the finish line, it will be a, a great step forward to rolling back the eyeglass exemption at CMS and providing broad coverage of low vision devices for people who are blind. Um, at this time, I would like to recognize if he is, if he has to unmute or raise his hand to unmute, but the advocacy steering committee chair, Jeff Tom, to see if he has any questions or comments regarding this legislative imperative. Hey, Clark. Thank you for that. Um, and good evening and afternoon to some of us, an evening to all of you out either on the Zoom call or listening to ACB radio. I do have a brief comment and I do have a question um, for Clark. Um, my comment is, if your member is on that list that uh, Clark gave us in the legislative imperative, or if you happen to know that maybe in a past year, your member was a co-sponsor, please thank him or her, um, because it's really important that we recognize the friends that we've had over the years. I know my congresswoman is one of those that has co-sponsored this legislation a time or two. So I'm happy to know that. So my question um, to you, Clark, is when we go in with our ask uh, to our member, do we mention that, you know, we would be, uh, we would encourage this bill to be introduced either singly or as a part of another piece of legislation? Do we sort of give them the option or how do we want, how do you want us to address the actual introduction of this particular act? Sure. So uh, two points there, Jeff. Thanks for mentioning the list of previous co-sponsors from the 116th Congress. Um, And within the legislative seminar one pager, uh, we have the offices and the point persons in the offices of Representative Maloney, and that's Danielle Sumner, as well as in the office of Representative Billarakis, and that's Shane Woods. And that's for the staff of the members with whom you're meeting, for them to reach out 
uh, and inquire directly about the bill. So in most cases, it's going to be, hey, uh, you know, either thank you for co-sponsoring this legislation in a previous Congress. It would be great if we could have your support again. You know, the the staff is very knowledgeable on on how to get and get a hold of other staff members. So having that information there and available to them so they know who to contact in those offices, um, that'll be really useful. And they'll reach out to them and inquire about the, the bill status, when they plan on introducing the bill. I think the, the ask for members other than Maloney and Bill Arrakis is really to encourage them to co-sponsor the legislation and then to support its inclusion in larger bill packages. Um, so Representatives Maloney and Bill Arrakis will introduce the bill as a standalone bill, but then it's very easy once that bill is introduced and once there's broad bipartisan support for them to basically, you know, kind of do a, uh, a control or option A to highlight or select all and then copy and paste, right? So they can just scoop up the language from this bill. In the 116th Congress, it was H.R. 4129. It will have a new bill number here in the 117th Congress. And that language can be put into a larger bill package. Uh, but that, that'll be something that's done in consultation with Representatives Maloney and Bill Arrakis. And Clark, can you talk about what we should tell our United States senators uh, concerning what we want them to do? Absolutely, Jeff. So this bill has only ever been introduced in the House of Representatives since 2013. Uh, we've had conversations with Senator Gillibrand, Democrat from New York, and we really want to keep this bill as a bipartisan bill in the Senate as well. So that the question for our senators is, are you interested or are you willing to introduce a Senate companion bill and have it be a bipartisan bill? And Jeff, not only asking them that question, but also taking notes on what their answer is and then sharing that uh, in your meeting feedback with the ACB national office. So then we can follow up with those offices directly. It's a lot of times that folks will say, you know, oh, you know, that's supporting this legislation would be great. You know, we'd love we'd love to co-sponsor. And it's like, well, I I asked you if you'd sponsor and introduce it, but that's their way of saying that you know they they would love to sign on, um, you know, hop on the wagon, but they don't necessarily want to be the one driving the cart, right? But all we can do is ask. And again, in, it's bipartisan in the House, and we really want to keep it bipartisan in the Senate as well. And having a bipartisan bill in both the House and Senate will increase the odds of getting this bill passed. And it never hurts to ask them anything because they can only say yes or no or not anything at all, which they usually do. <laughs> so one thing uh, I'd like to add here, you know, I said this is a modest bill, right? Twelve and a half million dollars. And there'll certainly be some members who don't think that this bill is ambitious enough, right? Um, there, there's another piece of legislation that was introduced by Representative Doggett in the House from Texas, as, as well as uh, Senator Casey from Pennsylvania, excuse me, Representative Doggett in the House and Senator Casey uh, from Pennsylvania in the Senate. 
Uh, and these bills are for broad Medicare and Medicaid coverage for hearing, vision, and dental services. Um, they are bills that would come with a very large price tag. They are bills that do not have bipartisan support. Um, so in the, the current climate, they are probably more messaging bills than anything else. If you're asked about them, uh, you know, you feel free to answer that uh, we are supportive of, uh, certainly ACB is supportive of ensuring that, all, you know, all of our members have access to the tools, resources, and healthcare that they need to live successful, independent lives. Um, but again, th those bills are only supported by one party. And ACB is an organization made up of different people with different beliefs and different geographical representation. We're certainly a, a bipartisan organization, and we believe that Congress should work in a bipartisan fashion to reach solutions as well. And we think that that's the best path forward on, on this issue, given the, you know, the political as well as the policy landscape that's ahead of us. All right. Well, at this time, I'd like to open it to questions from the audience, Monica. If you could give folks a quick rundown on how to raise their hand and ask a question. Yes, I'd be happy to if you want to raise your hand. It's Alt-Y on your PC. It's Options-Y in your Mac. If you're using a phone with a regular keypad, it's Star 9. And if you're using the app, it'll be in the middle of your screen. And we have... Larry, you can unmute. And you unmute with your Alt-A on your computer. Command-Shift-A on your Mac. Okay. Uh, good evening. First of Hi, all, uh, how are you? Uh, first of all, I'd like you to uh, define what you're talking about, devices. Uh, how broadly are you defining uh these devices are you talking about magnifiers or are you going beyond that and uh and, and secondly how would those the, the pilot program actually work how you know how would you determine who's going to be provided these services would it be apportioned out to the states and you know in a trickle uh would they be ophthalmologists who would be the ones who issue the prescription etc and then i just want to make a comment that I really like the much broader provision and uh, because speaking as a senior with both vision and hearing impairment, I, I think that uh, it's really, really imperative to get senior push behind that larger bill. But go ahead. Absolutely. Thanks for those questions and that comment, Larry. Uh, so when defining a low vision device um, and one with a with a lens, right? It could be anything from a handheld magnifier uh, to a wearable device or a tabletop device with video magnification, uh, you know, using multiple lenses, uh, zoom capabilities, high contrast, color changing capabilities, you know, like a, I'm not sure what they're called now, but back when I used one, it was called a, a CCTV. Um, you know, there it could be a device that is uh, worn on a person's eyeglasses or over a person's head in lieu of eyeglasses. 
Um, so it's a, it's a pretty broad spectrum of devices that fall into the category of low vision devices. How the, how the sausage would be made, a, a large portion of that will come down to how CMS would design this demonstration project. And that would come with opportunities to provide comments and reply comments as Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services are creating the demonstration program. Uh, but you are, you are correct that the prescription, as written in the bill, would be provided by an eye care uh, doctor or an eye care specialist. And that's similar to the system that is used for the prescription of durable medical equipment more broadly. Uh, you know, if it's a, a prosthetic leg or something like that, you have to go to your orthotics and uh, prosthetist to receive the prescription for that device so that you can uh, submit it for reimbursement. And yes, I, I, I fully understand the, the desire to support the broader provision. Um, I think that it would, speaking for Clark personally, I understand how it would provide a lot of benefit to you know, millions of Americans, especially our citizens and Americans who are aging with vision loss, uh, as well as you know, hearing loss. Uh, but but again, being a an initiative that does not have bi bipartisan support and which would come with a very large price tag, we don't think that that is a bill that is politically viable at this time. So, Clark, could I even address Larry's comment sure, a little further? Um, I couldn't agree with you more. As and as even Larry knows, the we have a long, long way to go when it comes to programs and services for um, seniors and all adults with vision loss. And Larry can write chapter and verse about it himself. And um, in the near future, you may be hearing much more about bills that might be coming down the pike. You may not even hear a little bit about it in the legislative seminar. Um, bills that are going to be there for the purpose of informing those in the Capitol Beltway and outside of it, what we really need. But for now, we have to nibble around the edges and concentrate on what we can get, in addition to setting the long-term stage for all the benefits and programs that we truly need to address the tremendous unmet need for both goods and services to you know persons with vision loss. Thanks for that, Jeff. And I'll just do a quick plug here for the legislative seminar. Uh, Jeff will be moderating a panel on uh, services for older Americans with vision loss as part of our Live, Learn, and Earn track of programming. And I believe that is Monday, February 22nd, 3 p.m. Eastern. And that will also be streamed on OGs oh, if I miss this up. I believe it is ACB Radio live stream that that one will be available. And this is all in the agendas on 
um, the ACB website for the DC leadership meetings. And then we'll also be joined by a coalition partner of ACB during the health and wellness track on Tuesday, February 23rd. And I believe this one is around 2 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be joined by Joseph Nara of the Item Coalition to share the work that ACB and others are doing as part of the Item Coalition, again, to address this issue more broadly. Uh, So this legislative approach, the Medicare demonstration of coverage for low vision devices, is one, one angle and one way that we can try to move this issue forward. But it is not the only approach, and we are actively working with our partners and the broader community to leave no stone unturned on addressing issues for our members and older Americans with vision loss. Any other questions, Monica? Next, we have Margie. Hi, this is Margie Donovan from California, and this may have been answered in the when you answered Larry's question, but <clears throat> having worked in the field, um, one of my huge concerns is training on these devices. Will this be a part of the bill or will this be a part of our comments when Medicare, sorry, when Medicare, um, I don't know what the proper terminology is, puts out whatever they're going to put out and we get to comment. Or the, the, yeah, the, the regulatory process yes. for creating the demonstration program. Yes. Yeah, this, this bill is really focused on the, the financial aspect of getting these devices in people's hands. That is, you're right, that training is a, an important aspect of it. And that's certainly something that we can comment on uh, as the demonstration program is being implemented. I'll also add that we've got such great partners, um, you know, whether it's uh, VisionServe Alliance or other organizations out there, that I, I'm sure would be willing to provide services and help folks learn how to use these these devices. And heck, the, the community that's grown up here within ACB and our community events, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we found a, a network and were able to create events to hold trainings on these devices as well. But the, the real thrust of this bill is focused on that, that financial component, getting over that barrier and that major hurdle uh, to get these devices to people. Anyone else, Monica? Yes, we have area code 508. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, Hi, my name is Jane Perry, and I'm from Falmouth, Massachusetts, on Cape Cod. This will be my first legislative seminar attending. However, I have lobbied for women's issues in the past with business and professional women's organizations. And I am a retired healthcare professional from Falmouth Hospital, the first visually impaired employee. And now I'm a senior citizen. So my questions are, is there a number attached to this bill yet? Number two is in the original bill, I believe there was a $500 deductible. I think that's very steep for people who live on a fixed income. And is there a, deduct- de- a newer, lower deductible that will be attached, or can we advocate for that? And thirdly, for those of us who have no vision now, will this cover talking devices? Thank you very much for your time and allowing me to ask these questions. So I don't think there was, this is Jeff Tom, and I don't think there was a deductible. What there was was a $500 um, minimum amount that the 
low vision aid needed to cost to be covered. The feeling being that we wanted to cover uh, for this particular bill, those who really needed significant uh, assistance in terms of their low vision aid. So it's not a deductible per se, but it, it, in the sense that if you're going to get a, a less expensive one, you would this bill would not cover it. Um, is that correct, uh, Clark? I believe that's what I understood it to be. Yes, Jeff, I, I believe you are correct. And I, another reason for that provision is to make it clear that this is not to cover eyeglasses, right? We're, we're trying to make the clear delineation between the uh, more expensive and more financially burdensome low vision devices than the ordinary pairs of eyeglasses, which would clearly fall into the eyeglass exemption um, within Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. This bill does not have, currently does not have a number in the 117th Congress? Um, that's a great question. It, every Congress, every two years, the bill has to be reintroduced and it will receive a new number. So last, the past two years in the 116th Congress, it was HR 4129. And due to the, the start of the Congress, the number of bills that need to get filed, this one has not been filed yet, but we are working with representatives Maloney and Bill Arrakis to pursue introduction. And as part of outreach to members of Congress, uh, you can encourage them to co-sponsor or even if they want to co-sponsor before the bill has been introduced, they can become original co-sponsors for this legislation. And the, the final question, again, I, I believe the the intent of this bill is really focused on the low vision devices um, to preserve the functional vision that our members in the broader community have uh, as they lose their vision later in life to ensure that they are able to maintain their, their independence. Okay, next we have Leslie, I believe. Feel free to unmute, Leslie. Hey Clark. Hi. Hey Clark. Yes. Hi Leslie. Can you hear, can you hear me? We can. Can you? Okay. Good. Good. Yep. Sorry. So, so I just wanted to real quickly tell you um, this is a great bill. You know the low vision um, imperative. I've been we've been lobbying for this since 2013, I believe, Dan and I. So um, you know it's near and dear to our hearts because we were low vision at one time. And um, I just wanted to tell you I I have brought many things when we were in person, you know, to show and tell, like the, the uh, players, the talking with players when, you know, the, the first ones that came out, the big players and, you know, the LA, LA's were really impressed with that. And then also um, Council of Citizens of Low Vision International did, did a book, Insights into Low Vision. And I actually gave one of those to one of the aides. Um, I had brought it with me and then some other low vision um, devices like an Optelect and all that. So, it's pretty cool if you can do show and tell, so they kind of get it, you know. And Leslie, speaking of show and tell, and since you are such a an expert uh, on <laughs> uh, working with your elected representatives, 
Um, would you mind joining us? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but joining us for some role playing on how a Hill meeting might go when you are approaching your representatives or your senators regarding this issue. Sure. I'd love to. Yeah. All Whatever right. I can do to help. So, yeah. Jeff, would you like to, uh, would you like to be Senator sure. Scott or Senator Rubio from the great state of Florida? Sure. I'm happy to be Senator We're Rubio. We're going to do it right now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yep. That's right. We're doing it. No time like the present. Everyone, everyone's going to have some butterflies and some nerves when they're going to meet with their elected members as well as their staff. So I'm glad we got you a little, uh, got those nerves going, Leslie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Thanks. I thought like in the future. <laughs> no, no. Right here, right now. No time like the yeah, present. Yeah. So I can thank my husband. He asked me to call in and, and talk about my, what I uh, show and tell. So I'll, I'll be sure to have him do some push-ups on my behalf. There you go. Yeah. He, Sounds he, good. Well, well, right now, Leslie, we are going in for our virtual meeting. Uh, where we've arranged it in advance. We've worked with the Florida Council of the Blind to schedule this meeting. And we have Jeff Tom from the office of, we'll say, Senator Rubio, who's joining us for this meeting. And Jeff, we want to thank you so much for your time and for meeting with the Florida Council of the Blind today. Well, thank you for uh, this virtual. I've never done this uh, Zoom meeting before. So, you know, this is all new to me. But I'm thrilled to be meeting with you. What did you say your name was, ma'am? My name is Leslie Spoon. Nice to meet you, Mr. Rubio. Nice meeting you. So, how are what you kind doing of today? Issues... I'm with, I'm... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm with the Florida Council of the Blind, and I'm also with the American Council of the Blind. So, no, thank one. you for taking time to see us today. I mean, I've, I've seen her. Well, thank you very much. You know, we uh, I think we've seen you before around our office, and I'm glad to see you again, even if it is virtually. What kind of things you want to talk to us about today? Well, we'd love to talk about our low vision demonstration um, imperative that we have going on. We've had going on for a little bit of time. And, um, you know, Gus, which you know very well, Gus, Bill, Gus Bilirakis, you know, he co-sponsored this in 2013 in the 113th Congress. And, you know, with uh, Maloney from New York. And it's just a wonderful bill. It helps, you know, the low vision community. Um, I had low vision earlier in my life. Um, I have retinitis pigmentosa, so it's de degener degenerated now. So I'm pretty much blind now. So, but um, this, this bill would really help, you know, people in Florida, um, Mr. Rubio, you know, keeping the seniors in their own homes and keeping them independent and just, you know, being able to read their own mail and, with these magnifiers that would really help our community, the low vision community. And it's just really a win-win because you could keep the seniors out of the, um, you know, the um, Medicare, you know, help them to stay independent in their life and just really, really be active in their community. So, well, you know, you know we could count uh, on you. This sounds great, but, but I do have to say, I have, you know, we don't have a lot of money. We've been spending an awful lot of money. The Democrats, you know, they just spend money like water. And, um, you know, COVID-19, of course, has cost us even more, uh, naturally. Um, and so I want to know how much money is this going to cost if I was to consider, you know, helping to support this? Well, sure, Mr. Rubio. And thanks. That's a great question. It's not going to cost you guys much at all. And I know with COVID and with everything that's going on, and like you said, the Democrats always spending money, you know, um, it's just a $2.5 million 
um, you know, project over five years. It's a demonstration act. So it's not, you know, it's not a big amount of money for you guys. So it's, it's a really good thing to look at and to co-sponsor. It's, it's, um, you know, um, partial, it's, it's, you know, impartial, it's just, you know, part, uh, across the aisle. And it's just a really good thing for Floridians because you know how many seniors we have in Florida, and it would just really, really help if you could co-sponsor this bill. We just really I can imagine it would. Do. Yeah, and, and uh, one other question, if I might, before you go. Uh, are they, I like demonstration projects. Uh, are they going to somehow come up with data to find out whether this really does save money like you say it does? Or will they work on the data? Uh, yes, they will. Yes. So, yes, you know, right. that, that's right, Mr. Uh, Mr. Rubio. There's there's two reports for data. There's an interim report as well as a final report so that we can capture all that data and really demonstrate the value that this is bringing to Florida residents, keeping them independent and at home, uh, not have causing them to you know, go out in public. You know, they, your residents can stay socially distant and but still be independent. Uh, and also, it's just, this has only ever been a house bill. And we, we sure would love for you uh, to work with, uh, with one of your Democratic colleagues to introduce a Senate companion bill to this legislation. You know, if Representative Bill Arrakis is behind it, it's a really good piece of legislation and it, it deserves its day in the Senate as well. Right, and, well and Mr. I Rubio, I also, have, I also have some show and tell if you'd like to see this Optilect I have. This is a really cool item. Um, oh, you put yeah. it under this paper and you turn the light on and it magnifies the page to a larger font for people to still read. I went out with my colleagues over dinner the other night and, you know, I don't have any vision much anymore, but my colleagues still have really good low vision and they were able to read me the menu. We didn't have to bother the waiters or the servers to say, what's on the menu? Could you please read me this menu? You know, we were so independent. It was so awesome. You know, we just Well, I think it. I have an aunt who has lost most of her vision. I bet she could use this very thing. So I'm glad oh, you showed this. This is great. Yeah. And I'll talk to Mr. Bilirakis and, and we'll, we'll think about it. So thank you very much for, you know, uh, zooming in to me today. And, you know, uh, hope to talk to you again. And thank you for your time. And if you need any other, any other information, you can reach out to Clark Rackpool our ACB government affairs person, and he can give you any other information that you need, and also our American Council of Blind President, Dan Spoon. So thank you for Great. your time. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Leslie, thank you so much. How do you think that went? I thought she okay. did great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Leslie, thank you, so, thank you so much for your help here this evening. Thanks, Clark. Thanks, Jeff. That was fun. See you guys. Bye. So Bye. I'm going to anticipate a, a sorry, Leslie. I'm going to anticipate a question that I know if you don't get, I'll get at some point because I know Californians ask me this. I know there is a bill that the NFB has uh, had introduced. In fact, um, a congressman from the Santa Rosa, California area is one of the uh, primary authors on it. Um, and so the, we have, I think we may have supported it in the past. I believe it's a broader bill than this that covers technology. Can you uh, enlighten us as to whether we have a position, what we ought to say 
if you know since they may have been there before us what we ought to say to some staff member that says well there already is this type of bill or whatever can you answer that for us clark sure so in nfb they're holding their version of the legislative seminar and their hill meetings uh this week so i don't know if folks are are tuning in or attending that as well and Jeff, I believe the bill that you're talking about is the Assistive Technology Affordability Act. Uh, That bill has been reintroduced. I'm not aware of the bill number uh, in the House of Representatives. And it's it's basically a different approach, right? So we talked about the the broader uh, Medicare, Medicaid, hearing, vision, dental bill uh, by Representative Doggett and Senator Casey. There's NFB's Assistive Technology Affordability Act, um, and there's the Low Vision uh, Demonstration Bill that we're supporting here with Representatives Bill Arrakis and Maloney. The NFB bill, again, the Assistive Technology Affordability Act, would create a refundable tax credit, I believe, so that folks, once they purchase these devices, um, they could then that have you know, the, the tax write-off and receive a tax credit for the cost of these devices. So it's a, it's a different approach, um, but similar approach, all really trying to accomplish the same thing. Um, and yeah, I think if, if folks are interested to support it or say that they support that approach, um, by all means, I, organizationally, I don't think ACB... Uh, it has a position on that bill, um, but it's it's certainly a, a worthy goal that we support. Um, but again, the Medicare demonstration of coverage for low vision devices is the bill that we are meeting to discuss and the, the approach that we are looking to pursue. Again, five-year demonstration project, $12.5 million price tag. And, and of course, unless you have relatively low income, then, uh, I mean, unless you have relatively more than low income, a tax credit is probably not going to do you much good um, because you have to have enough taxable income to make the credit worthwhile. So it's not a bad bill. In fact, you know, who wouldn't support any bill that might get technology into the hands of our of our folks? But on the other hand, this will help people who maybe you know can't use a tax credit or or you know because of they don't have enough income to make it worthwhile okay um you have about eight hands clark and restoria is next so you'll see an asked on mute restoria hi i um have a couple of questions uh i'm new to this but uh this is for recipients of Medicare or Medicaid, right? Your bill. It is for recipients of Medicare, uh, really focused on the older Americans with vision loss. Okay, what if you are not on Medicare? The the purpose of this bill is to uh, use the Medicare system to show the the benefits to covering these products so Mm -hmm. that CMS will add them as a a class of covered products in the future. And once they are broadly covered by Medicare and Medicaid, that will really drive 
um, their coverage by insurance companies as well. Okay. And where are you from? I'm from Kentucky. Uh, would you qualify for Medicaid because of your low vision? If um, if you receive it, uh, Social Security supplemental income or SSDI, you could also qualify for Medicaid. Yeah, there are actually many people who are eligible for both Medicare and Medicaid, and it would cover those who are called in the jargon dual eligibles because they are eligible for both programs. Okay. Um, can you hear me okay, Clark? Yes. Okay. Uh, next person is Paul. Feel free to unmute. Good evening, uh, Clark and, and Jeff. Hi, the, Paul. Hi. The question I have is uh, I've um, been to the Hill probably every year that the bill or a bill has been introduced or wanted to be introduced. And to follow up a little bit on what Leslie had asked, is it practical or possible for a video to be made showing some of these devices being used by people? Just a short, uh, very practical people, maybe reading medicine labels or, or whatever. The reason I ask is because we can explain and have explained, um, you know, video magnifiers, CCTVs. And it, it seems to me, the more I, the longer I'm without vision, the more I realize how people depend on vision. And for the staffers who actually see something that they can um, not only help them learn, but in most cases where we're talking to staffers and perhaps they could show that to, to their, to their boss. So, it's just a thought I had as I've uh, gone gone through the uh, experience of explaining this legislation. Well, thanks for that, Paul. I think that's a that's a great suggestion. Uh, I think that's something that you know, ACB could certainly certainly do and use our website as well as our communication channels um, to share that that is available. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to promise that prior to the legislative seminar in two weeks. I think the um, the combination of having our individual members with their lived experiences, um, speaking with the staff and the members, and if if you are on video or using Zoom or some other platform, you know, having those devices there, like Leslie talked about, being able to hold it up and show it. Uh, to the the staff or the member on camera and describing how it works. And for those who are on on the phone, you know, if you have a, a conference call and are not using video, then it's always a, a great reason to follow up with that staff member or that office and keep the conversation going with them. Um, so once we do have a video like that, we'll be able to push it out and share it with our members and say, see, this is why you should support this legislation. I do really like that idea. So thank you. Okay. Next we have Nora. Feel free to unmute. Let's see. Nora. Okay. Let's see. We'll go to area code 508. Oh, hi. Oh, Nora, there you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes. Good evening. 
Okay, thank you. Good evening. Sorry about that. Um, I have to use low vision. I have to use my magnification for my uh, iPad. But anyway, I'm northwestern from Phoenix, Arizona, and my concern is I'm trying to get a a video uh, low vision uh, magnifier, and I've been on because of a state. Well, I have Medicare and Medicaid also. Plus, I'm on low income, and because of my birth effect of my uh. My motivation because I was, I was born this way anyway. Out of there, um, anyway, I like to get to more. I like to get to be able to have motivation aids without having to be on a waiting list. I've been on a waiting list since July, and I'm wondering if people have to be on waiting lists for this type of thing for after the legislation uh, approves you. Nora, thanks for that question, and and I hope you share your experience with the waiting list with your elected officials. I think they'll really want to to hear about that and know what you and others, uh, other constituents and other voters are experiencing when trying to get uh, technology or services currently. So it's it's our hope that this, you know, this process would work in a way to uh, you know, not not have to have folks waiting on waiting lists, you know, once you receive that that prescription from your doctor, you know, there, there'll be some time involved, but hopefully not a prolonged waiting list for you to be able to receive that prescription, um, have the acquisition of that device, and to have it covered by uh, Medicare and CMS. But that, that's a perfect example of a, a type of story and a type of personal experience to share with your elected officials. So again, thank you, Nora. All right, Monica, anyone else? Yes, we have area code 508. Feel free to unmute. Hello again, this is Jane from Falmouth, Massachusetts. Uh, I want to thank you for that information and clarifying that. Um, I understand about the low vision devices, but, um, you know, what are they going to do for people who have no vision that still want to regain their independence? And I really hope that they will consider talking devices. I've had this problem trying to get um, a talking device. So that is my concern. I know other people that I know who live in other states have had the same issue. So... You know, it's great to have low vision because people are aging, and I live in a uh, a place where it's God's country, according to people that spend uh, most of their life here. And every town on the Cape has one-third of population of 55 or older, and I fall in that category. And I really, really hope that if it gets passed that we talk about talking devices. Thank you. So, Jane, it's Jeff Tom with AAVL. We've talked before. Um, and I absolutely hear what you're saying. And believe me, one of the things that the that our coal, our national coalition, that ACB and the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss are both uh, a part is th- that very issue. So we hear you loud and clear. I, I hear you loud and clear <laughs> as a totally blind person too. I I could not agree more, Jeff. And and thanks for that comment. I think this goes back to the earlier point that this is this bill is is one approach. Um, you know, we're trying to take we're not trying to eat the hog all at once. We're trying to take a take a bite out of it 
and work on these low vision devices. And once we get that, uh, that manageable chunk down, then we'll be able to turn our attention, uh, you know, working with our members and elected officials and uh, again, both sides of the aisle to keep moving the ball forward and keep making progress on this issue. Okay, next we have Terry. And Monica, um, how many more hands do we have? Uh, three. Okay, well, hi, Terry. Hi, thank you. Um, I have a comment and a question. Um, my comment is a following up on Margie Donovan's comment a, a while back. When we gather data for the effectiveness of the demonstration project, both mid midway through and at the end, we are going to get some really nasty, rugged, awful, not useful data if we somehow do not have training involved. And I realize that this is a complex issue, but I, I know of having been having survived to be a rehab counselor for 13 months of my life before I went on to other things, I do know how much assistive technology is in its closet. Terry, we're losing you. The question that I, oh dear, I'm sorry. If it comes through, yeah, we lost it. All right. I suggest Jeff, moving were you able on. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go to no, Joyce. No, I didn't have really. All right. Let's see. Yeah. And this, Joyce? this will probably need to be Joyce is going to be our last question of the evening. Hi. Um, I've had low vision for the last 20 years, and my concern is your repeated emphasis on seniors. Not everybody is considered a senior, but they also may have Medicare. Well, and you're right. This bill is not limited to seniors. It would be any Medicare recipient. Right. But the two of you have repeatedly emphasized seniors that's instead true. of we saying those with low vision and Medicare. And that's true. We have. And uh, the the short answer is because that's the largest and fastest growing population of Americans with vision loss. Um, so age-related vision loss is the leading cause of vision loss. So that will be that is a way for us to frame this issue when we're talking with our elected officials, so that it has the broadest impact. Um, in those conversations, and by all means, share share your personal experience as someone with vision loss, much like Leslie Spoon has done, um, to help make that point and add the personal element to sharing your story. So we are just about to eight thirty. I just want to give a, a quick thank you to Cindy. Uh, Monica and Jeff, thank you so much for your assistance here this evening. And I'll add that we have uh, another imperative call tomorrow evening at 7.30, one on Thursday at 7.30, and at the end of the legislative seminar on February 23rd, I believe it is from 6 to 7 p.m., we will have 
an hour of open questions in case there are questions about the imperatives that we did not have a chance to answer prior to folks having their Hill meetings later that week. Jeff, any closing remarks? No, I'm just thrilled. Well, first, I want to thank you and Cindy and Monica. But secondly, I am thrilled at the participation uh, tonight. Uh, more than 40 on the Zoom link alone. And I don't know how many more on ECB Radio. So thanks to all of you who listened in. Just over 30 on the stream. Over 30. Wow. So again, thanks 32. everyone for joining us here this evening. And please join us for the, the following events. Thank you for your, your hard and tough and thoughtful questions. And all together, let's keep advocating.